You're listening to Blind Entrepreneurship, an interview series podcast that highlights the stories of the top business professionals around the world. In each episode, we explore how entrepreneurs overcame blindness in business in order to execute their vision. Listening to Blind Entrepreneurship brought to you by Penji. Our guest this week was Chris Ducker. Chris is an entertaining, dynamic, and knowledgeable speaker that never fails to deliver. A combination of years of entrepreneurial experience coupled together with no BS attitude to getting things done. Chris is an energetic on stage and he is empathetic towards business owners and entrepreneurs in general. Chris is the virtual CEO of Virtual Staff Finder, Live to Sell, and founder of Upreneur. I've known about Chris for years. In fact, one of the early blogs that I've ever read uh, about business was from Chris. Uh, Chris not only has a soothing voice, um, but is paired with his expertise and understanding of how business and life works. I wanted to tackle the idea uh, behind the youpreneur idea and the ideology that's been around for over five years now. It's easy in concept, the idea of, uh, of being you, but it's incredibly hard in execution. People-to-people relationships is incredibly important, and regardless of where you are in the world or where they are in the world, treating people like family is a must. Enjoy. Today's episode is sponsored by Penji. Are you in charge of marketing for your business and need graphic design support? Let Penji design anything you need for your business, from a logo to your marketing materials, sales sheets, social media content, and so much more. Penji helps you achieve more with unlimited graphic design support, daily output, and a dedicated project manager, all at one flat monthly rate. We have an exclusive offer to the Blind Entrepreneur community. Head over to penji.co and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month. Again, that's penji.co. P-E-N-J-I dot C-O and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month of Penji. And now, let's get to today's episode. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's an absolute honor. As a a true legend of yourself, um, it is going to be an amazing conversation to uh, pick your brain a little bit and help people cure blindness in business. But before we get into all that, is it true that not only are you an incredible speaker, a seasoned entrepreneur, but you're also a Pokemon fan? <laughs> I am indeed. You're, you're, you're doing a good job in your prep for the show. I love that. Yeah, I'm a big yeah. Pokemon fan. Well, the whole family really are big Pokemon fans. I mean, I remember, uh, man, I'm going to show my age here a little bit, but I remember buying Pokemon cards for my first son, who's now 24. Nice. Um, and uh, I used to travel to Hong Kong quite regularly on business in, in the early to mid 90s. And so uh, I would come back uh, with, you know, Pokemon stickers and Pokemon uh, packs of Pokemon cards for my first kid. And, um, and now it's going full circle because obviously with Pokemon Go, uh, everybody sort of became Pokemon fans all over again. And, and that also happened with now my my second boy and my third out of four kids, Charlie, who's now just turned 11. And he's, he kind of got, got the whole family in the Pokemon go a couple of years ago. So we go out and we play uh, maybe for a couple of hours each week uh, cool. on the weekend and have some fun and have hot chocolate and marshmallows and 
catch some Pikachus, you know? <laughs> it's a good way to get out of the house for sure. I mean, I have to it ask is, as a, as a Pokemon fan uh, myself, do you have a, a, a favorite by, uh, by chance? Mm, I think probably Mew, the original nice. little pink, little pink cutie Mew. He's my fave. That's good. That's awesome. Good stuff, man. Well, let's get right to the, the world of business and, um, you know, being, actually reading your books uh, and, and understanding brief, somewhat of the philosophies of what you have, um, I want to start off by talking about the word youpreneur. And the secret to yes. being a youpreneur is being you. Um, to just kind of give a, a brief definition to people who have no idea or never heard of that word, what is the term youpreneur? Yeah, youpreneur was a term I coined uh, initially back in 2014. And then I kind of sat on it for about a year or so before we opened the doors to the Youpreneur Academy, um, which is our, our, our online membership training portal for anybody that really wants to build a business around their expertise and their personality. So in effect, that is exactly what a Youpreneur is. It's somebody who obviously has got a certain amount of experience, a certain amount of passion and love for a particular subject or topic or industry. And um, they are building a business based around that expertise and that passion. And, and more importantly, their personality as well. Because I, I truly believe if you are uniquely you all the time, you ultimately become future-proof due to the fact that there are no competitors out there because there's only one you. And so we work with a lot of people like content creators, public speakers, authors, coaches, speakers, you know, consultants, the whole lot. Anybody really building a business based around their expertise and who they are. Very cool. And you kind of, um, the book that we're going to be talking about, at least predominantly the way I base my questions out of, um, is the rise of the youpreneur. And you kind of separate the book into three categories. Mm -hmm. Um, can I, I like to kind of break down the 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 three um, philosophies? The um, do I, dare I say uh, chapters or do I dare I say uh, categories? However you want to explain it, um, sure. but it, it starts at the top. And, and where does and where does that begin? Yeah, so those those three sections of the book uh, basically came about through our membership academy. So over the period of about a year or so. Um, we opened the doors to that in September 2015. And uh, by the end of basically 2016, I had already come up with the title for the book. I'd already started kind of, you know, roughly, roughly planning it to a certain degree. But we had noticed in that first year of membership that people were self-selecting themselves into these three very unique parts of the Youpreneur journey being building, marketing, and monetizing. So building meaning right out the gate, you're right at the beginning of your journey, you're starting from scratch, you're building this thing up. Marketing, you've already got a little bit of a foot through the door, you want to spread your message a little bit, become well known in your space, that sort of thing. And then third is the monetization, obviously, where uh, people are you know, that they want to start making some serious money. It's, it's not just about a, a side hustle or, or being a wannapreneur. It's about actually turning it into a real business. So like I said, people were self-selecting themselves into these three different categories, these three different sections. Uh, and really, we, we blew the lid off everything in mid-2016 when we launched what is now the Youpreneur Roadmap 
which is inside of the academy uh, portal. And basically what it did is it allowed us to be able to ultimately categorize all the content that we already had inside of it. And it was a little bit of a smorgasbord, if I'm to be honest with you, it was kind of all over the place. It was good stuff, but unless you kind of knew exactly what you wanted, it was tough to find what you really needed. Um, and so uh, we kind of, you know, we, we sorted everything out into these three different sections of the website. And that's when it all just blew up. I mean, the book came out six months after that. Uh, we opened up the doors to our Upreneur Summit conference uh, a year after that, which is now sold out three years in a row in London. Um, and uh, it just, you know, it's all just kind of blown up from there, man. So ultimately, building, marketing, and monetizing that personal brand. I'd like to dive in a little bit deeper into each one because, you know, sure. we're living in this, this episode is going to be launched in 2020 in the very beginning of, of 2020, which to even say those words is absolutely uh, crazy. Um, <laughs> but times have changed and not so much from the, when the book came out, but things are, are slowly uh, ever changing and growing. And so the foundation of building, right, for the most part can be relatively simple. The idea of marketing is incredibly difficult. Could you give us some techniques or tips um, in a 2020 world of, of, of ways to, to actually build that thought leadership, to build that, that content in order to, to help yourself grow into a, a personal brand? Yeah, well, it really comes down to four main sections, right? Uh, in terms of like topics for this particular part. And these are the things that everybody wants to skate over because they're not that sexy, if I'm to be honest. Um, they're kind of boring, but they're foundational. And as anybody who's built any successful business on a planet will know, if you don't have the foundation, no matter what you put on top of whatever that dodgy foundation looks like, mm -hmm. it's going to eventually collapse. And so yeah, number one is defining who you actually are, what you want to be known for, what you want people to say about you, right? When you're not around, that's the first part. The second one is defining who your perfect customer is. So figuring out not necessarily who you want to sell to, but who you can serve, who you can actually solve up mm. or rather serve up solutions to them and solve their problems. So that's the important part right there. More so than who, who can I sell my stuff to? It's who can I help the most? Who can I bring the yeah. most value to? And then we've got you know two very, very important parts of this entire thing is number one, building your online home. So your hub, your website, and not relying on a YouTube channel to build your business because you don't own YouTube. Not relying on a Facebook group because you don't own Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg owns Facebook. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's, I think it's incredibly important. These four very important foundational approaches to defining who you are, defining who that perfect customer is, going ahead and building that online home properly with, you know, decent content being created and published on a regular basis that's answering questions and solving many problems along the way. And then, uh, lastly is, you know, social media and, and ultimately making sure that your social is, in, you know, consistent across the board, that you're using similar photos, if not the exact same photo across the board. I mean, that's kind of like a pet peeve for me from somebody who <laughs> teaches personal branding is when somebody's using one picture for Twitter, another one for Instagram, mm -hmm. it drives me nuts. I mean, they're yeah. like, 
that will keep me awake at night, <laughs> that kind of stuff, right? So I, I think, you know, they're the four big parts, but really those first two parts are what it's about. It's defining who you are, what you want to be known for, and then zeroing in on who you can bring the most value to. I think from a personal standpoint, the defining who you are, at least for me, probably took six to seven years to even fair, do. Yeah, fair play. Absolutely. And, and I'm, you know, I'm 30 and I started my entrepreneurship career at 23-ish. Um, I, I would love to hear maybe from, from your personal experience, was it relatively simple to define who you are? It, it was... It was actually after I had been struggling with it, I think for a while as well. Well, struggling is the wrong word, actually. I think what it was, I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years. I've built multiple businesses. I still own and operate many of those. You know, it's a multi seven figure group of companies that I still operate. But the fact of the matter is that I probably have gone through at least four or five pivots over that time in terms of focuses, in terms of, you know, when somebody asks you, what do you do for a living? Or, you know, what value do you bring to the world? Or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You meet somebody at a dinner party, what do you do for a living is usually a, a question that you've got to answer quite a yeah. bit. Um, and that's changed a lot for me over the years. That hasn't always been, you know, I help people build profitable businesses based around their personal brands. It hasn't always been that. And here's the thing. It'll change again, I'm yeah. sure at some point in the next five to 10 years, that will pivot again. But because of the fact that I've been able to lean into my personal brand and lean into that focus, I believe that I've already made the last true pivot in my career. Mm. Because when I do end up changing things up again in the future at some point, the people that already are in my world and get what I'm all about and understand where I'm coming from and trust me and like me because I've already built up that trust and that rapport, they will come with me. So the pivot isn't like you're starting from scratch and I've started multiple businesses from literally nothing. That's a lot of work, man. That's a lot of work. Whereas if you could, if you could cheat your way through to a certain degree, if you could fast track and springboard your way through the first two or three years of a new business, everybody would choose to do it because they're the toughest years. Right. So I feel as if this is kind of, this goes back to the, you know, the, the ultimate uh, goal of becoming future proof. And that is, is, you know, for want of a better term, it's getting yourself into a pivotable, uh, you know, position where you can change based on how things change in your life or your interests or whatever it is, and you can move into a different direction and people will come with you. You don't have to go and find a new set of customers every, every time you do it. Do you feel like the idea behind community was relatively easy for you in the beginning because now you have a sizable following where you're right if you decide to pivot to i don't know women's perfume people might get confused but i'm sure there'll be some people that that follow you but in the beginning of creating that community was could you give us some tips that maybe have worked well for you um and then how you're leveraging that now yeah i mean i i think that um I think you'll find that most people, when they do make a pivot of some variety, it's always going to be roughly associated with 
with what they've already been known for or what they've already been working. It's very rare that somebody is going to be a business coach one minute and, you know, making women's perfume. It's, it's a, you know, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but chances are it's not going to happen to me is what I'm getting at. Right. So I think that, you know, before, before I was everything youpreneur and really doubling down on it in the last four and a half years or so, before that took place, I, I was, and I'm, I still am. And here's the thing. I still am the go-to guy online in the online entrepreneurship world for anything virtual assistance and remote team building because that was what i was known for for the first five or six years of being active online through blogging podcasts i mean podcasting since 2010 so i mean people found me because of my work based around outsourcing and vas and team building remotely and things like that i still run two businesses within that industry with hundreds of employees so I'm still the go-to guy. I've got a best-selling book under that very you know, industry, virtual freedom. I'm still the go-to guy. I still get asked to keynote on that subject. I still get asked to do interviews on that subject. But I got bored of it, quite frankly. I got bored of talking about bloody VAs every five seconds. <laughs> so you know, as, as things changed and people started coming to me, you've got a very strong personal brand. You're getting book deals, you're getting keynote deals, you're getting interviewed, you, you know, can you teach me how to do it? And the first, you know, couple of handfuls of coaching clients in that, in, in that regard, it was so much fun for me to work on this stuff with people. That's where Youpreneur was truly born. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think, I think it's very rare, like I said, that you'll find somebody that pivots complete, you know, in a 180 completely yeah, different direction. But I think that, you know, it, it truly does. It makes a big, big difference, man, when you've got a community behind you that like you for you first and foremost, and then for your products and services and your messaging after that. Um, and we, I'm very blessed, very blessed Absolutely. to have the following that I do. That's great. I mean, and, and it's well-deserved. I mean, you've worked incredibly hard to obtain that. And in order to get that community, in order to you create the content, it requires a very strategic distribution strategy. And I'm just going to be perfectly honest. That's, that's probably been, you know, from a business standpoint, from a personal standpoint, distribution is probably the hardest thing to obtain or Mm -hmm. or to do because you need to be incredibly organized to do it. Um, Do you have any thoughts on just the the distribution? I know that you've uh, said repeatedly about, you know, creating that one piece of content and repurposing it. Um, you know, is that still true? And what are some other things that you might recommend to distribute your content? Yeah, I mean, I think just creating helpful, valuable content is not going to go away anytime soon. In fact, really, I mean, if you think about it logically, content marketing is really the only kind of marketing that's left. Yeah. Right. True. I mean, genuinely speaking. Right. So I think it's, it's very, very important to continue to, you know, think about content marketing as a major mainstay in your marketing, uh, you know, kind of arsenal. Now, when it comes to repurposing, I think things have changed quite a bit. You know, at, at one point, everyone was like, well, I'm just going to shoot a video. I mean, I'm going to rip the audio out of that video and turn that into a podcast. And then I'm going to get that audio transcribed and that's going to be a blog post. Now, Mm -hmm. yes, you can absolutely still do that. And if that's the best that you can do, do it. 
without a doubt, because it ain't going to hurt you in any way whatsoever. The fact of the matter is, if somebody who reads that is not going to listen or watch it. Someone who watches it is not going to listen or read it, and so on and so on, right? So I think that's, that tactic as it stands still holds true very well in today's world. However, because of the way that social has developed so much over the last three to five years or so, with you know short video clips, live video, a lot more visual, a lot more imaging, a lot more standout and pull out quotes and all this sort of type of stuff. Now you can really start to get ninja in the way that you re repurpose your content. I mean, I can tell you right now, Rise of the Upreneur, the book, is available online in probably well over 500 pieces of content in some way, shape, or form, whether it be an image with a quote on it, or maybe it is, uh, you know, a, uh, a short video clip that I filmed. Maybe it's a podcast episode that I've recorded. Whatever the case may be, it's all out there somehow. People still buy the book because they want it all in one place. They want it in one manual that can follow page to page, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, following you, you, you see just that, um, the, the true tactician at hand. Um, from a statistical standpoint, though, have you found any particular platform or style of content that has worked really well for you? For me, podcasting has always been a mainstay. It's, you know, yeah. I, I think I published my first podcast episode in April of 2010. Um, awesome. It was a different. It was a different show. It wasn't called Youpreneur FM. It was a different show that we we ran up to 100 episodes, but. Um, uh, there's something about the podcast medium. I mean, here we are recording one right now. You're in the US. Yeah. I'm yeah. here in the UK. Um, and people will listen to this once it gets published, literally from all around the world. Yeah. And there is something to be said for that. And here's the other thing. It's, it's way more personal. As far as I'm concerned, a podcast or an audio podcast episode is way, way more personal than a video clip, even a video clip of the same length. So if this runs 30 minutes, for example, and you have a video episode, there's something about somebody physically putting something in their ears nine mm -hmm. times out of 10 in, into their ears to listen to this conversation. I mean, we're in their heads quite oh, yeah. literally, right? <laughs> Whereas with, with video, people tend to skip, they tend to kind of glaze over it. Maybe they've got it in the background, that kind of thing. With podcasts, man, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I listen to podcasts, I'm all in. Like I'm oh, zoning, whether I'm driving or whether I'm traveling or sometimes I sit and listen with a notebook and a pen and I just literally close my eyes until something pops into my head that I need to make a note of. I scribble and then go back to almost a meditative state to a certain degree. So there's something about podcasts for me. They will always be a mainstay in the Youpreneur uh, group. And then just in my life as a content creator and, and publisher, I will always be podcasting. I don't think that's ever going to come to an end. Yeah. And, and I, I think the level of um, transparency and the depth that you can get from a podcast is completely different. I think it's incredibly intimate, the conversation that we're having now, um, and intimate in the fact that whoever's listening 
um, is actually going to be listening and, and jotting, hopefully jotting notes and et cetera. So I, I, mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Podcasting is, is amazing, but you kind of have a balance of podcasting and blogging. Um, do you like, where do you find that balance of podcasting, blogging? And then this is kind of where I'm segueing the conversation into the world of, of your original, um, you know, this, the foundation of VAs and, and finding virtual, um, vir- with virtual staff finder. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about the, the podcasting versus blogging world? And then I'll, I'll have some follow-up questions after that. Sure. Well, look, podcasting for me is a very easy medium type of medium to produce. I'm more of a talker than a typer anyway. Um, It's very easy also for me to batch my podcast. But here's here's something that uh, we've only just changed very recently in the last four or five months or so. Um, The Youpreneur Show has predominantly been a mix of solo episodes of around 10 to 15 minutes of me sharing one particular, you know, set of opinions or how to advice or whatever the case may be. And then flip side of that coin are interviews like this one right here. And we would usually flip flop between the two week after week. And we have done for many, many, many years. Um, However, earlier this year, I started to really dive deeper into feedback uh, specifically about our show and how we were going to take it up to the next notch or two or five. Um, and it was very, very interesting to see that the solo shows of 10 to 12 minutes on average were getting way more, not necessarily more downloads per se, although there was a peak every now and then when something would obviously get shared. But... Ultimately, the solo shows were getting way more just overall engagement, more shares, more comments more on social, more likes, more retweets, everything compared to the interview shows. Mm-hmm. And I could, you know, I could sit down with people like Gary, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk or anyone else who's, you know, a big influencer in the world that I've been happy, you know, very blessed to be able to become friends with and all that sort of type of stuff. And I could sit and have a great conversation with any of those people for 40, 45 minutes, produce some amazing content out of it. But people weren't staying connected. They weren't sharing, they weren't commenting, they weren't retweeting as much. And so we made the change uh, about two or three months ago to turn Youpreneur FM into a solo only show. Um, and you know, we have seen a similar type of, you know, trend with the solo shows being shared and commented and, and, you know, because of that, obviously the download numbers do go up because people are finding it for the first time more and more all the time now. Um, and so it now becomes a lot easier for me to batch the show because if I know what I'm going to be talking about, um, for say the month of January or the month of February, I don't have to wait to be able to be on somebody's time zone or to uh, you know wait until their schedule is free. Um, I can just sit and record eight episodes in one day, which is actually what I do now. So nice. I record eight episodes back to back to back to back in one day, and then I don't do anything for two months. But the show still keeps going out every week. So I think the podcasting becomes, has become a lot easier for me to stay on top of. Now, the blogging side of it, I haven't written a blog post for three years. 
So I'll either A, dictate them, go to my content writer on my team. She will then write that up, send it through to me. I'll tweak and we'll publish. Yeah. Or nine times out of 10, anything that you see blog related on Youpreneur FM is actually already been a podcast episode. We're just rewriting that episode and publishing it as a blog post. So it's just good old fashioned repurposing. I love it. That's great. Um, something that popped up uh, while you're talking was the organizational standpoint, because you're, if you're batching content and it's something that I, I highly recommend to people who are thinking about it um, from an organizational standpoint, how do you, Chris, how do you stay organized in order to create that content? Um, and then you know, what is your, or is your, does your organizational structure differ from, outside of batch podcasting, uh, um, recording days. Well, everything, everything goes on the calendar. That's the first thing. So if it, I have a saying that if it doesn't get scheduled, it doesn't get done. Right. And so every single little thing, including this call right now goes on my schedule. If it's 30 minutes for a podcast interview, boom, it's on the schedule. If it's 15 minutes for social media engagement, boom, it's on the schedule. If it's four hours of video batching, boom, that's on the schedule too. So from the moment I get to work at 10 a.m. in the afternoon, sorry, 10 a.m. in the morning through to 4 p.m. in the afternoon, everything, and that's my usual work day, everything will be scheduled out. If you look at my schedule, you think I'm one of the most busiest person, people on the planet, right? But the fact of the matter is I'm just highly, highly regimented with yeah. my schedule. But you know what else happens as a direct result? I'm extremely productive as well yeah. because I don't drag and drop and do that calendar procrastination crap that everybody likes to do on a regular basis. If it's on my schedule, it's there for a reason. Yeah. And if it's there for a reason, nine times out of 10, it's going to have money attached to it at some point in the future uh, because that's business. That's what we do. We're in business to make money. So at the end of the day, uh, that's really the biggest hack is to schedule bloody everything, you know, is to get everything you need to do on your schedule. Now the podcast stuff, you know, once I record, I put those raw MP3 files into Dropbox. My team picks it up and does the rest. Yeah. I don't even see it again until it gets published, literally. And that includes images to promote on social it includes all the links that they pull out from whatever the hell I've mentioned and waffled on about and, you know, put hyperlinks in, in the blog posts for them and all the rest of it. So, I, I mean, you know, I've got a team around me that obviously helps me put this stuff out there. I'm not sitting here doing it all by myself, obviously. Yeah, and it's great. There's, uh, I, I, I have this conversation quite often with people and they, they say something on the lines of, well, you know, I don't have the money to, to outsource um, parts of my day mm -hmm. and my caveat to that would be well you know you have to make some type of investment in order to free your time up because you are the at some point in time the, the money machine you're the one bringing in the revenue um at what point in time did you realize that you needed to start allocating uh your tasks to to people yeah i mean i hit burnout in 2009 yeah. So that, that was actually what brought me online in the first place was the fact that I hit burnout. I've been working 15 hour days for, you know, six days a week for two and a half, three years building my business. Um, we were, you know, 
we we were doing fantastic from a from a revenue perspective, but I was a complete and utter mess. And so in 2010, I went on a personal mission, and uh, the goal was to become a virtual CEO, to not have to go into the facility. Um, and to give some context, at the time we had about 120 people working for us. We just had our first seven-year, uh, seven-figure year, um, and you know our our call center facility, which is based over in the Philippines, was doing very, very well. But again, I was a complete wreck. And so um, by the end of 2010, uh, I had blogged weekly, I had podcasted pretty much weekly throughout the course of the year. Um, and, uh, shown everybody, you know, it was like built in accountability, man. It was like, I'm going to do this. And if I don't, I'm going to fall flat on my face in front of everybody on the internet. Mm. So I kind of had that built in accountability. And by the end of the year, you know, I had five, 6,000 email subscribers. We were, you know, enjoying hundreds and hundreds of downloads of our show every month at the time. And, you know, you say that now and it was like hundreds and hundreds, why not thousands and thousands? Well, there was a lot less people 10 years ago listening to podcasts. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. it, it was it was genuinely a very exciting time. But yeah, by the end of the year, I, I actually had eight people hired to replace myself. Interesting. So. What um you you spent a decent amount of time in the Philippines and uh and you know you this journey of becoming a virtual CEO. What did you learn along the way of becoming that virtual CEO? And what did you learn from, from living in, in the Philippines, being a, a, a Brit? Well, I was over there for 18 years almost. So, you know, I, I, I class the Philippines as my second home, literally. Beautiful. I still do now. I mean, my wife is Filipina. My kids are obviously half Filipino. I mean, you know, the Philippines is always going to be in my life. Um, not to mention the fact that I've got almost 400 employees over there still now so in fact actually i'm traveling back next week for a week to go surprise them at our company christmas party that they think i'm not going to attend this year nice. so you know these these are the little <laughs> things that for me um have been very very important to to not only my personal development as an entrepreneur but also as just as a business owner uh, and as and as a leader as an employer um one thing i can tell you that i've genuinely learned from Filipinos is the importance of family and not just the family mm -hmm. that you're born into, but also the family around you at work mm -hmm. as well. Um, because, you know, unlike, uh, you know, uh, unlike our family that we, that we are born into and we grow up with, um, the people that we meet at work, I mean, generally nine times out of 10, all we've really got in common with them when we first meet them is the fact that we walk up and down the same the same carpet, you know, or, or hang around the same water cooler, you know, five or six times a day. I mean, there's, there's not much more that we've got in common when we first meet somebody in a work environment, but friendships develop. Um, and I have seen that now over 12 years of running this particular business in the Philippines, where obviously we've had hundreds and hundreds of people come and go over the years uh, with a big workforce that happens. Um, but, you know, our management team, for example, has been intact for probably close to a decade. Nobody's uh, and the reason why is because we treat people like family members and, and we, we genuinely care about them. And uh, I mean, I've, you know, I've been God godfather to four uh, of my employees' kids. That's awesome. So, you know, this for me is that that's the important stuff, really, at the end of the day. It's, it's that sort of stuff. I think the concept that when people think of 
uh, virtual employees or virtual team members, um, they they have this idea that you could fire at will because you don't see them, you don't talk to them, and I think that's an abomination personally. And having uh, you know hiring close to 60, 70 people myself uh, from different areas of the world, especially the Philippines, um, you mentioned a couple of things that spoke truly to my heart, which is treating them like human. And I know this is going to sound like a very silly question, but I don't believe, I'm very confident that a lot of people don't understand what that means from treating somebody like a human from an outsourced perspective. So I like to hear, again, very silly to ask this question, but like, what does treating somebody like a human mean to you exactly? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say to treat him like a human. I said to treat him oh, like so, Sorry, uh, sorry. Yeah. That, that, that's what I meant to say. Treat him like family. I do apologize. So yes, yeah. you did say so, that. I mean, you, know, it, it, you know, just do unto others, man, like you would want people to do to you. You know what I mean? Like if you, if you want to be treated with respect, and to be appreciated and to be somebody that somebody goes to for advice and for help and things like that, then you also have to be like that for other people. I don't care whether somebody's worked with me for five minutes or five years, I will always have time for them. If I'm paying their paycheck every month, if they've got something that they want to say to me face to face, or if they want to drop me an email, they can do that if they want. I don't care how many people I've got working for me. And I will always read those emails. I will always take time out. I will always do what I need to do. Um, you know, I mean, for example, I don't need to fly from London to the Philippines next, next week. I don't need to do that to surprise my employees. Mm -hmm but I'm already hearing that they're upset that they are kind of down about the fact that the boss isn't going to be around for the Christmas party. And uh, yeah, they're going to go and have a great time. We've got a beautiful hotel that we've rented and amazing food and entertainment and all the rest of it. But if that's a genuine issue for them, if they feel genuinely upset and sad about that, why? I mean, I can get on a plane and go and do it for a few days. Like, it's not a big deal. I can, I've always got stuff I can do when I'm there. So why not just do it? Yeah. Just why not just do it? You know, um, if somebody, if one of your members of staff has a baby, for example, yeah, sure. Give them their maternity leave. But particularly over in the Philippines, you know, money doesn't go as far as most people think it does. And you'll find that most people that are working you know, remotely out of their homes and things like that are probably that they're looking after maybe a sick grandparent, maybe they're looking after a sibling or two even, right, financially. So if that person has a baby, for example, yes, give them their maternity leave, give them their benefits, give them the time and all the rest of it. But why not send a care package with $50, $60 worth of you know, diapers and wet wipes and, and some, some onesies for the kid to wear for the first six months. Like these are things for you and I don't make that big of a deal, but yeah. for our staff in the Philippines, that's everything. Man. Yeah. That's everything, you know? So I, I just feel like you have to, if you want somebody to turn up every day for you and give them a hundred, 110%, you've got to do likewise for them as well. And that goes beyond just paying their paycheck. It really yeah. does. Yeah. And in turn, they will you know, do whatever they can in order to make sure that you as a human being are successful. 
I, and that's one of the reasons why I believe our, our management team has been all but intact for maybe for one or two people for almost a decade. People don't leave. They know that they don't, you know, that the, they're in the right role first and foremost, and uh, they enjoy working in the environment and they, they like doing what they do every day for us. And they know that they're appreciated. So we're very blessed. I probably got done, I'd say half of the research backed questions that I wanted to ask you during this entire conversation. Um, <laughs> but we do have to end things at a respect of time. Um, and again, Chris, this is such an honor to have you on the show. If people wanted to learn more about you, if people wanted to uh, buy the book um, and even invest more time uh, in in your companies that you've, uh, that you've built, where can everybody find you? Well, they can just go to youpreneur.com. You know, that's, that's the mainstay online now. Obviously, chrisducker.com is my personal site. Uh, there's still a lot of content up there. I don't update it as much as I used to, but there's some great stuff up there as well. But either that or uh, youpreneur.com, that's what it's about. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Blind Entrepreneurship. Your time, energy, and attention mean the absolute world to me. Thank you. Because you're still listening, even though the episode is technically over, that means that you're a super listener, and you care even further about what I have to say, and that means even more to me. And because of that, I'd love to be able to give you a small gift. As you know, I am the co-founder of Penji, and I personally believe that Penji is one of the best creative services on the planet. It gives you the ability... Uh, to free up your time in order for you to focus more on your business so you let us do all the graphic design support and all the graphic design help in an on-demand fashion and because you're listening to this portion of the episode i'd love to be able to give you 50 percent off of your first month of penji in order to do that all you have to do is enter the coupon code tbe show that's TBE show for 50% off. Again, I truly believe that Penji is revolutionizing the creative industry. And if you feel at any point in time that your business is not getting the graphic designs that you deserve, or if you ever feel like you're paying too much for your graphic design team or your freelancers, or you're finding it difficult to find reliable talent, we'd love for you to give us a try. And again, that is TBE show for the coupon code and as always i have to end every conversation with the key phrase that it started it all go out there and execute your vision everybody have a great rest of your day